This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 208. So, since today is Sunday, December 5th, 2021, as usual, I'm covering the weekly news and rumors roundup from the big four rumor sites of Canon Rumors, Nikon Rumors, Fuji Rumors, and Sony Alpha Rumors. And as usual, I want to remind you that all of these stories can be found in the show notes along with any related links or videos. All of that will be in the show notes. I'm just letting you know at the beginning of the episode so I don't have to keep repeating it as I'm reading the stories. So let's head on over to Canon Rumors first and see what they have for us for this week. And now, on with the show. First up, Venus Optics announces the Laowa 85mm f5.6 2x Ultra Macro APO, the world's smallest 2x macro lens. And there is an accompanying YouTube video that you can watch. Venus Optics announced the world's smallest 2x macro lens for full-frame mirrorless cameras. The Laowa 85mm f5.6 2x Ultra Macro APO. Now... Though it may be little, it is a fierce lens, according to Laowa. Kicking out the traditional heavy, bulky macro lens, Laowa makes this 85mm lens to be revolutionarily small. Built especially for mirrorless full-frame cameras with a smaller f5.6 aperture, the new 85mm macro lens only weighs approximately 259 grams, or 9.1 ounces. That's for the Sony E-mount. And with 53mm times 81mm, or 2.09 inches by 3.18 inches Sony E-mount also in size. A 46mm filter thread is also provided for circular screw-in filters. It is perfect for photographers who are looking for an extreme lightweight setup such as using at BioBlitz. This lens would match the portable mirrorless camera body perfectly, making macro shooting a breeze while rendering pictures with excellent and outstanding image quality. For one-to-one or higher magnification macro photography, the depth of field is extremely shallow. Usually, photographers need to stop down to f8 or even narrower aperture. A maximum f5.6 is not always used as it's not able to cover the depth in many cases. A lens with an f5.6 can keep the usability of the lens and at the same time create a much smaller instrument for macro lovers. Up to two times magnification. This new 85mm lens can focus from infinity to two times magnification along with a minimum focusing distance of 16.3 centimeters or 6.41 inches. Numerous details can be captured for tiny objects under two times magnification. It would be much more flexible and versatile for photographers shooting in different circumstances. And there are some really beautiful macro shots included in this story. Uh, especially some from Don Kamarechka. And if you know anything about Don, he is one of the most famous macro photographers in the entire world. I'm still trying to get him on the show. 
The freshly designed 13 elements and 9 groups optical structure contains 3 extra low dispersion elements which eliminate the color fringing at both in-focus and out-of-focus areas, rendering stunning magnified pictures without chromatic aberration would be an extra convenience to photographers as it saves much time and effort on post-production. The lens barrel does not extend in internal focusing design when changing focus. It avoids collision of the lens and the objects. It also helps reduce the chance of dust getting into the lens. So it is completely internal focusing. As far as pricing and availability, the Laowa 85mm f5.6 2x Ultra Macro APO is currently available to order on the official website of Venus Optics, which is venuslens.net, and their authorized retailers. Recommended retail price in the U.S. without tax is $449 for Canon RF, Nikon Z, Sony FE, and $499 for the Leica M. Pricing may vary in different countries. Shipping starts from early December onwards. Okay, specifications is focal length 85 millimeter, max aperture f5.6, angle of view 28.55 degrees, format compatibility is full frame, lens structure is 13 elements in nine groups with three ED glasses, aperture blades is seven, Minimum focusing distance, 16.3 centimeters or 6.41 inches. Maximum magnification is two times. The filter thread is 46 millimeters. Dimensions, 53 millimeters by 81 millimeters or 2.09 inches by 3.18 inches for the Sony E-mount model. Weight, 259 grams or 9.1 ounces. Again, that's the Sony E-mount edition. The others will vary. Mounts available, Canon RF, Sony E, Nikon Z, and Leica M. And there are reviews by photographers that you can check out for yourself. So this sounds like an intriguing lens. And like I've said before on the show, Laowa does make some fantastic glass. So I'm sure there's a lot of macro photographers out there. They're going to be really interested in this cool and inexpensive 85mm macro lens. Next up, review Canon EOS R3 by The Digital Picture. Brian at The Digital Picture has completed his review of the Canon EOS R3, Canon's latest full-frame mirrorless camera, which began shipping last week. Brian's closing thoughts, quote, With each new high-end camera iteration, it becomes more difficult to be happy with the newfound annoyances, additional steps or efforts required to get the same job done, of the older models, and the R3 brings out those inadequacies of the other models. The R3 has professional-grade build quality, combined with arguably the best AF system ever placed in an interchangeable lens camera. The iControl AF, subject detection and tracking performance, smart controllers, and a myriad of other features give this camera a review time advantage over all other models. The performance of the Canon EOS R3 suggests flagship 1 Series membership, and selecting the R3 over the 1DX Mark III is an easy choice. That the R3 is a 3 Series model suggests that Canon has an even more impressive and more expensive model coming in the future. And I agree with that 100%. I was listening to an interesting story earlier today. I was listening to one of the other photography podcasts that I frequently listen to, 
And I think it was the, I'm trying to remember if it was Tony Northrup. I think it might have been. And his thoughts were that originally Canon was going to release the R3 as the R1. But after they saw what Sony did with the A1, they decided to call it the R3 and come out with an even more high-end flagship model, which will be the R1. And I think it's extremely likely that is what happened. Because, come on, Canon says the EOS R3 is not a flagship body, but it's got everything a flagship body would have. And as Brian said in his art or his review, if you came down to a choice between the R3 and the 1DX Mark III, it's a no-brainer. You get the R3. So, uh, there are leaked rumors on some of the specs of the, of the R1, and they do sound impressive. But we'll have to wait and see exactly how that plays out. Next up, Canon will release an APS-C RF mount camera later in 2022. Now, this is a CR3 rumor. The long-rumored APS-C RF mount camera from Canon is starting to appear more and more likely. I have been told by a solid source that Canon is definitely releasing an APS-C RF mount camera in 2022. Now, I don't know if we're talking about something like the EOS R7 or a camera to take the place of the EOS M line. But there will definitely be more to come, so stay tuned. Next up, new Canon CRX 300 4K outdoor PTZ camera provides connectivity, flexibility, and protection from the elements. Canon is continuing its move into security camera solutions, this time with an extremely robust 4K remote controllable camera. I was hoping for something a bit more affordable than the $13,299 price tag, but I guess I wasn't the target market. <laughs> so Canon announced this new camera on December 1st of 2021, and I'm sure it's going to be extremely popular with a lot of businesses and so on and so forth. Now, there is a launch video for it that you can check out for yourself. I'm not going to read the entire press release because it's kind of lengthy and I don't want to drag the episode out too long. And even though it's technically camera or video related, it's more of a security camera thing. So I'm not going to bore you with the details. You can check it out for yourself. Next up, Canon's new DPV 1830 18.4 inch 4K HDR professional reference display features improved blacks, wide color gamut, and wider viewing angles. Now, this is another recent announcement from Canon from December 1st. They must have announced this the same day as that new security camera. Again, I'm not going to read the lengthy press release. Uh, this monitor will be available uh in january 2022 for an estimated retail price of fourteen thousand two hundred and ninety nine dollars and i highly doubt myself or any of my listeners are going to be clamoring to buy a fifteen thousand dollar monitor <laughs> next up canon eos r5 firmware version 1.5.0 changelog posted download now available Canon has posted the upcoming firmware information for the canon eos r5 version 1.5.0 the firmware should be available for download globally within the next 24 hours. Now, this was from December 2nd. It is already available. Firmware version 1.5.0 incorporates the following fixes and enhancements. 
improves head detection performance to support helmets or goggles in winter sports, adds vehicles selection to subject to detect, selection in the AF tab to support the detection of automobiles and motorcycles in motorsports, adds spot detection when vehicles is selected as the helmet of the driver or rider. Detection may not be possible for ordinary passenger cars or bicycles or for motorcyclists performing stunts or kicking up dirt and dust. Improved detection performance for eye detection when there are shadows on the face, the hair is hanging over the eyes. Four, add support for torso detection of a person. If the eyes, face, or head are hidden or cannot be detected, a person's torso will be detected and tracked continuously. Five, adds the ability to import manual white balance data from the quick control screen when capturing still images. Six, eliminates the center press operation of the multi-controller to prevent accidentally transferring images during FTP transfer. Seven, adds the ability when using the EOS utility or browser remote for remote shooting with two cards inserted to set the recording method and to select which card to be recorded to, which is pretty handy. Eight, adds suppress lower frame rate to smooth in display performance, enabling the shooting screen to be displayed with less drop frame rate even in dark locations. Nine, adds support for the RF 5.2 millimeter F 2.8 L dual fisheye lens, the VR lens. Ten, adds or changes the default value of FTP server to passive mode to enable. 11 improves operation stability during FTP transfer. 12 optimizes control of in-body image stabilization when using specific EF lenses not equipped with the image stabilization function. 13 fixes an issue in which noise occurs along the edges of bright subjects when using Canon Log for movie recording. 14 firmware version 1.5.0 is for camera with firmware up to version 1.4.0 if the camera's firmware is already version 1.5.0 is not necessary to update the firmware again. Duh. And 15, the user manual on our website has been updated accordingly. Please download the user manual as well as the latest firmware. You can download it from the official website. Next up, Canon EOS R6 firmware version 1.5.0. Change log posted, download now available. Same as with the R5, the R6 now does have 1.5.0. I have already updated mine, and I haven't had a chance to play around with it yet, but it has all of the same changes, fixes, and updates as the same version for the R5. So I'm not going to read all 13 points again. That would just be redundant. Next up, Canon EOS 1DX Mark III firmware version 1.6.0, change log posted, download now available. Canon is releasing new firmware for the R5, R6, and the 1DX Mark III. Uh, depending on where you are, you can download any version you may come across. It'll be available globally if it's not already. Now, firmware version 1.6.0 incorporates the following fixes and enhancements. Improved head detection performance to support helmets or goggles in winter sports. Eliminates the center press operation for multi-controller to prevent accidentally transferring images during FTP transfer. Adds the ability when the rating function is assigned to the protect voice memo button for voice memos to now be recorded by pressing and holding the button. 
adds the ability when using EOS utility or browser remote for remote shooting with two cards inserted to set the recording method and select which card to be recorded to. Changes the default value of connection option settings, FTP transfer settings, and power saving to disable by default. Changes the default value of FTP server passive mode to enable. Improves operation stability during FTP transfer. Fixes an issue in which noise occurs along the edges of bright subjects when using Canon Log for movie recording. So pretty much a lot of the same bug fixes and enhancements as in the R5 and R6, but not as many coming to the 1DX Mark III because it's not a mirrorless camera. So the big ones are there, but not everything that the other two cameras have are available for the 1DX Mark III, logically. And last up from Canon Rumors for this week, new Canon EOS R3 orders may take up to six months to fulfill. The global chip shortage doesn't appear to be letting up anytime soon. It's looking more and more like these issues may run well into 2022, if not longer. Canon has issued an official statement saying that new orders for the EOS R3 may take up to six months to deliver. From Canon Japan, quote, currently we have received orders for each of the following products in excess of expectations and due to the impact of global parts supply, delivery delays are occurring. We apologize for the inconvenience caused to our customers and business partners. The products are scheduled to be shipped one by one, but it is expected that it will take a lot of time for the new camera body, the R3, and the RF lens, the 14-35 F4L IS USM. Affected products, R3, 14mm-35, will be shipped in sequence, but it may take more than half a year to deliver when you place a new order. Also affected, the RF-16 F2.8 STM, the RF-100-400 5.6-8 ISUSM, the Canon RF 400mm F2.8 L ISUSM. We plan to ship the products one by one, but it may take longer than usual to deliver. And that's for, directly from Canon Japan. I know the delays suck. There isn't much we can do about it. Um, I did luckily already get my RF 16mm f2.8 STM pancake lens. And I love the lens. I've been using it quite a bit. I'll be releasing a YouTube video on it to my channel sometime in the very near future so be watching for that now let's head on over to nikon rumors and see what they have for us for this week first up just announced venus optics laowa 85 millimeter f5 six two times ultra macro apo lens for the nikon z mount as previously talked about under the canon segment Laowa is releasing this lens price is 499 pre-orders are now open at the venus optics online store that also offers international shipping. Adorama and B&H always list new Laowa lenses a few weeks later. Sample images can be found, and there is also a video from their YouTube channel. Now, I'm not going to go through the specs of the lens again because I just talked about it in the Canon segment. But again, this looks like it is going to be a great lens for macro photography. It's going to be extremely capable. It's extremely compact and lightweight compared to the majority of macro lenses out there. It's definitely one that I'm intrigued by. I don't know if I'll get it or not. I do want to eventually get an RF mount um, macro lens. I previously in the EF mount had the 100 millimeter F2.8. Um, 
I'm not sure if I want an 85 millimeter or not. Maybe. We'll see. I haven't decided yet. Next up, new Zongyi Optics Mitocon Speedmaster 90mm f1.5 lens for Nikon Z-mount has been announced. Now, this is interesting. There's some cool accompanying images. Today, Zongyi Optics announced the new Mitocon Speedmaster 90mm f1.5 lens for the Nikon Z-mount. The retail price is $599. Orders can be placed at the official Zongyi Optics website that also offers international shipping. The lens is a copy based on the $13,695 Leica Sumalux M90 f1.5 uh, ASPH. Sample photos can be found. Additional information on the new lens is aperture range f1.5 to 16, two extra low dispersion elements, one ultra high refraction element, manual focus design, depth of field and distance scales, Nine round blade aperture, APO lens with minimal color artifacts, M mount compatible with third party AF adapters, i.e., Megadap, the MTZ11, Tech Chart, uh, Tech Art, yeah, I think that's how you pronounce it, TZM01, and the LMEA7. Free international shipping, uh, economy shipping included, extra $50 for FedEx Express shipping for all purchases via our website, five year warranty will be included. So that is another interesting new lens, third-party lens that is coming out, this one for the Nikon Z-mount. Next up, the new Nikon Nikkor Z 28mm f2.8 special edition lens is now shipping and is currently in stock. After the initial delay, the new Nikon Nikkor Z 28mm f2.8 special edition lens is now shipping and is currently in stock at Adorama in the U.S. and at Photo Earnhardt in Germany. According to Nikon, both the regular and the SE lenses are identical. The only difference is the external design, and they are exactly the same price, $297. They're just offering uh, two different variants of the exact same lens. It has all the same details, all the same capabilities, because they are the same lens per Nikon themselves. Now, to give you some of the details, uh, of course, both are Nikon Z mount. Format is FX 35 millimeter. Focal length 28 millimeters. Max aperture f 2.8. Minimum aperture f 16. Lens construction nine elements in eight groups, including two spherical elements. Angle of view on FX format is 75 degrees, on DX format is 53 degrees. Focusing system is internal focusing. Minimum focus distance measured from the focal plane is 0.19 meters or 0.63 feet. Maximum reproduction ratio is 0.2 times. Number of diaphragm blades is 7, rounded diaphragm opening. Filter attachment size 52 millimeters. Dimensions 71.5 millimeters by 43 millimeters, distance to the end of the lens from the camera mount flange. Weight is 160 grams. Now, keep in mind the 160 grams is for the SE model. The non SE model is 155 grams, so a little bit of difference there. Both are autofocus, both internal focusing. Uh, both have auto and manual focusing capabilities, supplied accessories, the LCB52 lens cap, front cap, the LFN1 lens cap for the rear cap. And like I said, aperture range is f2.8 to f16. 
16. Now, I have a feeling that's going to be a popular lens. 28 millimeters is extremely popular with a lot of photographers. And it is a good focal length, especially because on a crop body camera, it is 35 millimeter equivalent. And last up from Nikon Rumors for this week, they had a short week for stories. October 2021, SEPA numbers. SEPA, Camera and, Camera and Imaging Products Association in Japan, published their camera production data for October 2021. Orange is 2021, black 2020, blue 2019. Okay, so October 2021, SEPA numbers. September, DSLR and mirrorless body shipments for the month were ahead of September 2021, uh, but substantially behind last October. For the month, DSLR units were down 45.5% and mirrorless units were down 37.8% as compared to October of 2020. Mirrorless now has a 58% unit share of interchangeable lens cameras and a 77.2% ship value share of DSLR plus mirrorless. Based on the first 10 months of 2021 and last year's shipping patterns, we predict a full year estimate of 5.3 to 5.7 million ILC units shipped compared to in 2020, it was 5.308 million. 2019, it was 8.64, uh, 462 million. 2018, it was 10.76 million. In 2017, it was 11.68 million. That's down substantially for our last estimate, unless November shipments picked up from the holiday season. Canon has predicted a full fiscal year industry estimate of 6 million units, and they claim they'll take 50% of that. October 2021, calendar year-to-date units and shipped value. Okay, DSLR units, 186, 1867K, I'm sorry, uh, down 2% year-to-date. DSLR ship value, 76.5 billion yen, down 1%. Mirrorless units, 2577K uh, and up 16% year-to-date. Mirrorless ship value, 258 billion yen plus 42% year to date. Compact units 2499k down 13%. Compact ship value 59.8 billion yen down 4%. Lenses for smaller than 35 millimeter units 4178k down 3%. Lenses ship value 64.4 billion yen up up 4%, so that's good. Lenses for 35 millimeter and larger units, 3733K up 31%. Lenses for 35 larger ship value, 212.1 billion yen up 52% year to date. Cumulative year to date mirrorless unit share of mirrorless plus DSLR 58% was 53.9% January and October 2020. Cumulative year-to-date mirrorless ship value share, 77.2% was 70.2 January to October of 2020. The ratio of lenses shipped to bodies is 1.78 for January to October 2021. It was 1.73 for January, September 2020. October 2021, calendar year-to-date geographic share, DSLR units, China 12.3%, Asia not including China or Japan 14.2%. Europe, 40.6. America's 31. Other 1.9. So that is, you know, where the percentages are in various parts of the world. Now, for mirrorless units, China, 25.4. Asia, not including China or Japan, 15.4. Europe, 27.1. America's 28.3. Other 3.9%. 
For compacts, units, China 11%, Asia not including China or Japan 12.7%, Europe 42.6%, Americas 29.5%, other 4.2%. And for lenses, units, China 18%, Asia not including China or Japan 13%, Europe 33%, Americas 32%, and other was 3%. And that is it for Nikon Rumors for this week. I'm going to go ahead and take a short break and then I'll be right back with you. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com. And you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag liamphotopodcast. And now, back to the show. And we're back. So now we're going to head on over to Fuji Rumors and see what he has for us for this week. First up, Fujifilm GFX100 and X-T4 new firmware updates released. Fujifilm has released new firmware updates for the Fujifilm X-T4 currently on sale and the Fujifilm GFX100. The Fujifilm X-T4, you can save $200 at B&H Photo, Amazon US, and Adorama. All details are Fujifilm X-T4 version 1.25. You can download it now. Firmware update version 1.25 from 1.23 or 2.4 incorporates the following issues. The following problems have been fixed, which happened rarely in the field. One, Bluetooth paired device is not registered or the camera was not turned on after paired device is registered. Two, the camera has frozen while eye sensor is working. Uh, let's see. Okay, for the GFX 100 version 4.11, firmware update version 4.11 from 4.10 incorporates the following. The following problems have been fixed, which happened rarely in the field. Bluetooth paired device is not registered or the camera was not turned on after paired device is registered. Two, the camera has frozen while eye sensor is working. Three, camera flash was not lit correctly when you take a photo with a long exposure time after selecting first curtain as a following as the following manner flash setting menu flash function setting sync mode first curtain four battery charging through usb cable did not work or battery remaining amount displayed was showing incorrectly you can buy the fujifilm gfx 100 at bnh photo amazon us and adorama so it's good that they got these firmware updates out there to fix these minor issues with both cameras. It's good to see that. It's always good when camera companies stay on top of getting the bug fixes incorporated into new firmware updates on a regular and timely basis. Next up, Sam Yang AF 12mm f2.0 for Fujifilm X to ship in January 2022 in North America. A Fuji Rumors reader ordered the new Samyang AF 12mm f2.0 and wondered when it would finally ship. So he contacted the Samyang USA customer service, and this is the reply he got. We anticipate this order to be shipping around January 2022. The lens was announced back in October, so we are looking at three months waiting time for those who pre-ordered it. 
Sounds like a long wait, but compared to what is happening in the Fujifilm world, it is actually blazing fast. I mean, we are still waiting for gear to ship that was announced nine months ago. You can order the Samyang 12mm f2.0 for the X-Mount at B&H Photo, Amazon US, and Adorama. Next up, Fujifilm X-H2 coming with two different sensors, AI Boost firmware updates, and more top 10 November posts. Here are the top 10 posts for November. Number one, Fujifilm X-H2 coming with two different sensors. Two, Fujifilm X-H2 coming in 2022 with huge computational photography boost. Three, Fujifilm launches hybrid instant camera Instax Mini Evo. Four, two Fujifilm X-H cameras coming, different megapixel number, 140 megapixel and the other unknown. Five, Fujifilm GFX100 X-T4 new firmware updates released. Six, Fujifilm X-T3 beats X-T4 autofocus, Fuji frustrations. Switching to Fujifilm, Sony A1 versus Fuji X-T4 for video and more X-Gear Roundup. Seven, dear FR readers, we have to talk. Eight, hot deal, get Fujifilm GFX 50S for just $24.99. Nine, from Tamron, 18-300, F35-63, to Voigtlander, Nocton, 35mm, F1.2, and more third-party Fujifilm X-Mount lenses. And 10, National Geographic says Fujifilm reigning champion of 2022 best travel camera. So those are the top 10 stories on Fuji rumors. Next up, software update for Fujifilm Tether Plugin Pro for GFX for Adobe Photoshop Lightroom Classic CC6. Fujifilm has released software update 1.20 for Fujifilm Tether Plugin Pro for GFX for Adobe Photoshop, Lightroom, Classic CC, and version 6. Details and download links are in the story. Added support for Mac OS Monterey. So that is great that they have it updated for Mac OS 12. Next up, Fujifilm GFX100S, GFX50S2, and X100V firmware updates released. All details are included here. Let's see, firmware for the X100V version 2.02. And let's see, it fixes the following issues. One Bluetooth paired device is not registered. The camera was not turned on after paired device is registered. Two, the camera has frozen while eye sensor is working. For the GFX100S version 1.21, uh, Bluetooth paired device is not registered or the camera is not turned on after paired device is registered. The camera has frozen while eye sensor is working. And three, camera flash not lit correctly when you take a photo with long exposure time after setting first curtain. Okay, that's the same as on the previous story. And for the GFX50S2 version 1.02, uh, the same issues except number four, Output image gets magenta when you take a photo with a long exposure time using electronic shutter. So all of those issues have been addressed in those new firmware updates. Next up, Fujifilm Instax Mini Evo and Stone Gray Film pre-order now available. The Instax Mini Evo is now available for pre-order at B&H Photo, Amazon US, and soon at Adorama. Shipping will start February 1. Uh, you can also pre-order the dedicated Instax Mini Evo soft case, as well as the new Instax Mini Stone Gray Film. 
uh, I will definitely replace my Instax Mini 70 with the new Instax Mini Evo once available here in Italy because, in my opinion, the X100-inspired look makes it the best vintage-looking Instax camera out there. Some nice retro touches like the print lever. It has a convenient LCD screen to review images before printing as Instax film is not the most affordable stuff out there, <laughs> which is definitely true. Uh... Next up, which film simulation is the best and worst for low-light photography? Now, there is a YouTube video that accompanies this story. There is a misconception out there, and the misconception is that Fujifilm simulations are something good only for pure JPEG shooters, but that's far from true. When I photographed the wedding of my friend, I did shoot everything in RAW. I explained which gear I used. But when it was time to edit everything in Capture 121, I did not waste any time with color grading the images. I just scrolled over the various film simulation options in Capture One, saw in real time which color gives me the best mood, clicked on that film simulation, and that's it. Done that, I started to edit the images to taste except for the colors. I've explained in this article which film simulations I've used most in my wedding editing. Curiously, a film simulation that I've rarely used until I shot the wedding. So that's how I see it. Also, hardcore raw shooters can take huge profits from Fujifilm film simulations. But it is also true that there's many cases the JPEG output of Fujifilm cameras is that good. You can skip the raw editing right away. It happened to me recently. When I was in Ferrara with my family, I took my images in RAW plus JPEG, and when we were going home by train, I just used the internal RAW converter to try out some film simulations on certain pictures, stored them directly on the SD card, and once home, all I did was load them into my computer, and that was it. My holiday images look great without any editing effort. And here comes the connection to the video we share today. If you're like me, and about 80% of the images you keep are simply JPEG images, thanks to the amazing Fujifilm JPEGs with my previous gear, I mostly edited the RAW files, then it might be of interest to know which film simulations work best in which context. And Chris from PAL2Tech, one of the, one of the must-follow channels for Fujifilm shooters, tested which film simulations work best and worst for low-light photography if you shoot in JPEG. Chris's video has been cross-posted to Petapixel, where the conclusion is, one, monochrome is much less noisy than acros at all higher ISO ranges. And going through my testing, it seems pretty conclusive that Fujifilm adds some additional grain and or noise to acros to help give it that unique look. The problem is, at much higher ISO values, it can start to fall apart a bit. If you're planning on shooting with acros, I would not go above 3200 ISO. Also, i definitely make sure the grain setting on your camera is turned off. Two, for Provia, Velvia, Astia, and Eterna, Pro Negative High and Sepia all performed well and had roughly the same good performance at higher ISO values. Of this group, Probia was the overall winner when you start pixel peeping at 300% or above. Three, if you're shooting at ISO 3200 and above, I would avoid bleach bypass, acros, and classic negative. Once you go above ISO 6400, I would not use any of those three film sims if I wanted to keep my noise to a minimum. 
and four, most interesting of all, were the winners. And they were pro-negative standard and Eterna. If you're planning on shooting in low light at very high ISO values, you may want to give them a try. Both pro-negative standard and Eterna gave me the best overall consistent results. So there you have it on the best and worst film simulations at higher ISOs. And last up from Fuji Rumors for this week, vote your top Fujifilm related product and roadmap lens 2021. There won't be much more announcements in 2021. So time to look back at the Fujifilm year 2020 and uh, should say 2021 and vote which one according to you is the top product of the year launched by Fuji. And why not? Let's include also the third-party autofocus lenses for Fujifilm launched or announced this year, as well as the latest Instax products. Also, you can vote on what, in your eyes, is the most exciting lens on the X Roadmap and GFX Roadmap. In this survey, I will include the rumored XF56 1.2 Mark II, as well as the lenses on the Viltrox Roadmap and TT Artisan Roadmap. And that is it. So that is the survey that you can do on Fuji Rumors on the top items from 2021. And now we head on over to Sony Alpha Rumors to wrap up this week's episode. First up, Mitocon Speedmaster 90mm f1.5 FE lens announced. Price range is $599 to $649 US. The lens is available at zyoptics.net. So you can check it out there. Next up, the new Rokinon 50mm f1.4 FE2 lens is available for pre-order at Adorama for $749. These new, the new improved version is now available. Uh, here is a review of the lens with a, an accompanying YouTube video that you can check out. Next up, Cyber Week deals at B&H Photo and Adorama. The Cyber Week deals are now listed on pages at B&H Photo and Adorama. They'll probably wrap up today, later on today, or possibly on Monday the 6th. Next up, Cindy Sony A7 IV lab test, rolling shutter, dynamic range, and latitude. The Sony Alpha A7 IV is available for $2,498 on pre-order. At B&H Photo, Amazon, Adorama, Focus Camera, Bydig in Europe at Photocotch DE, Calumet DE, Photo Earnhardt DE, Park UK, Wex UK, Amazon DE, Amazon UK, Amazon Italy, Spain, and the Netherlands. Cindy tested and concluded the Sony a7 IV shows overall very strong results in the lab test. Really good dynamic range, 12.9 stops at SNR equals 2. Rather good exposure latitude with seven stops, but the rolling shutter falls a bit short, unfortunately. It is on the high end at 26.8 milliseconds. Also, in comparison to the Panasonic Lumix S1, S5, and S1H, the Canon EOS R5 and the Sony A1 and the A7S3 full-frame cameras. So not quite as good at that as those models. Next up, DP Review TV, Sony A7 III versus A7 IV. Chris and Jordan did a comparison of the two models. A7 IV pre-orders, I already mentioned all the places where you can get it, and the price is $24.98. You can check out that video from DP Review TV for yourself where they compare the A7 III and the A7 IV. Next up, leaks. uh 
schematics of the new Rockstar 85mm f1.8 pancake FE lens. There was a typo in the title there. The Chinese company Rockstar, their lenses here on eBay, is designing a new 85 f1.8 FE pancake lens. Yes, full frame coverage in such a tiny lens. And that sucker is tiny. But so is the 18mm fun leader lens, cap lens that I bought for the RF mount. Man, the cap lens is actually a heck of a lot smaller. Thinner anyways, I should say. Next up, you can now pre-order the new Sony Airpeak drone for your Alpha camera if you have $9,000 to spend. As of today, you can pre-order the Airpeak S1 at B&H Photo and at Adorama. It costs $8,999 and you still have to add a ton of accessories that are for sale at B&H Photo in order to make it work. And you can check out the Airpeak S1 launch video on Sony's official YouTube channel. Next up, Sony released a new firmware update for the Sony A1. The A1 can be bought for $6,498 at B&H Photo, Adorama, Amazon, Focus Camera, Photo Earnhardt DE, Calumet DE, Photo Koch DE, Park UK, and Wex UK. This new firmware update for the A1 you can download at the Sony site. Benefits and improvements add support for FTP transfer in active mode and improves the operational stability of the camera. Definitely two good things there. Next up, Capture 122 will be released on December 9th, which is this coming week. Capture One announced the new 22 version will release on December 9th. These are the new main features, panorama stitching, build stunning panoramic stitches of landscapes, cityscapes, architectural scenes, and more with incredible resolution and total detail from edge to edge. Produce a superb wide-angle shots without warping and distorting corners, and don't let the word panorama hold back your imagination. With multi-row stitching, you can build your image in all directions, giving you a huge DNG file to work with that's fully editable directly in Capture One. HDR Merging Combining multiple raw images with different exposures, HDR merging gives you a single high dynamic range image in just a few clicks. Perfect for landscapes set during sunrise, sunset. Interior shots showing both an indoor and outdoor setting or any scene with big differences in exposure. Go one step further by using the powerful editing tools in Capture One to finalize your image. Auto-rotate. Time is money. Spare yourself hours of manual rotation in your workflow with our first AI-driven tool, letting you automatically rotate huge image batches simultaneously. Wireless tethering for Canon. The industry's fastest tethering goes wireless. With wireless tethering, take photo shoots to the next level without any cables holding you back. Feel the freedom of more dynamic shoots, taking your camera to new angles and having all the space you need to create. Now, that is definitely exciting. If you can do wireless tethering with Canon cameras in the new version of Capture One, then I definitely have to upgrade. <laughs> that is phenomenal. No cables to worry about. Next up, here you can buy wooden Sony cameras with actual interchangeable wooden lenses. This Vietnamese store created and sells a wooden Olympus OM camera that seriously takes wood uh, takes wooden interchangeable lenses. Um, but it's 
Uh, the uh, headline says you can buy wooden Sony cameras, and it shows a picture of a wooden Sony camera, but then in the description it says Olympus OM camera. So uh, it is showing Sony in the video clip and the still image, so I'm assuming that must be a typo. Or maybe they make an Olympus OM wooden variant as well. I don't know. Next up, Sam Yang might announce a new fast teleprime lens, 135mm f1.8. Sam Yang confirmed they're working on a new fast teleprime lens. On SLR Club, the speculation is about a new 135 f1.8 FE. Do you like that idea? Next up, Siru 50mm T2.9 1.6 anamorphic FE lens, now available for pre-order at B&H Photo for $1,499. And there is a review on YouTube that you can check out as well. Next up, new Gizmon Miniature Tilt Lens announced. Uh, tilt Lens specialized for miniature diorama photography. Gizmon Miniature Tilt Lens is a tilt lens for mirrorless cameras specializing in miniature diorama photography. Equipped with a bright single focus lens of f1.6, you can freely control the bokeh in video and still shooting. Thanks to the simple mechanism, it is easier to use than ever before. It's a lens that you can easily enjoy tilt shooting. You can tilt the limbs with a simple operation. It is equipped with a bright 50mm 1.6 lens that is prone to blurring. Lens configuration of six elements in five groups. What is tilt photography? In order to uh, consciously shift the optical axis of the lens and the photosensitive surface of the image sensor, tilting the lens for shooting is called tilt shooting. Originally, tilt shooting is a shooting technique for focusing on a wide range of subjects, but in recent years, it has become popular for shooting in a miniature diorama style. You can shoot with freely controlled blurring, such as intentionally blurring one half of the image or blurring both the top and bottom, left and right sides. For a miniature diorama style photo with a tilt ring adjusted to blur top and bottom, uh, you can see what it looks like with the tilt off and the tilt on in the sample images. Method of operation, you can change the tilt of the lens up, down, left, right by loosening the tilt ring. You can adjust the degree of blur by adjusting the tilt angle of the aperture ring and lens. Please try various things and find the right blur. It can be tilted up to 15 degrees in all directions. Ah, definitely interesting. It's kind of uh, similar in concept to the Lens Baby lenses, I would think. I wonder if Lens Baby's going to sue them over that. I don't know. And last up from Sony Rumors for this week, DP Review TV, the best and worst photo video gear of 2021. You can watch the video on YouTube. Chris and Jordan selected the best and worst gear of the year. Best Micro Four Thirds Lens, Olympus 8-25mm f4. The best APS-C lens, the Sigma 18-50 f2.8, available at B&H Photo, Adorama, Focus Camera, Photo Koch, DE, Photo Earnhardt, DE, Wex UK, and Park UK. The best full-frame lens is the Tamron 35-150 f2.0-2.8. The best camera for video, the DJI Ronin 4D. Best stills camera, the Nikon Z9. Worst video camera of the year, the Sigma FPL. Worst lens was the Lawa 35mm F095. Worst still camera of the year was also the Sigma FPL. And that wraps up all the news and rumors for this week.
Remember to check out the Land Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you are in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, that wraps up episode 208 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Verbal, anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. Also, please remember to stop by on YouTube, check out the Land Photography YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel, watch the videos, like them, share them, comment on them, hit the little bell icon so you can be notified as new content drops. Now, since we are getting into the Christmas holiday season, Thursday episodes will probably start being... Uh, uh, buying guides for the photographer in your life, which is something I've done past years. I was still hoping to get Ellie and Dave together for a uh, uh, one more episode where Dave would uh, do video and share some of his best work that he's done with Ellie. I'm going to have to reach out to them again and see if we might be able to squeeze that in before the end of the year. If not, it'll definitely be at the beginning of 2022, probably in January. But we'll find out. We'll see how things go, how their schedules mesh or don't mesh with mine. We'll have to wait and see. But anyways, I want you all to have a fantastic week, and I will see you all again on Thursday.